Welcome to Let's Explore This. This is your weekly podcast featuring three Sigma males. My name's Kevin. I'm here with my co-host, Sam. God, you're so bossy. And Adam. I prefer girl bosses. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Uh, it's pretty good. Good to be home. Oh, yeah. You just got back from vacation. Again, congratulations on getting engaged. Congrats. Hey, thanks. Thanks, guys. It's our first podcast together in like a month. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Uh, I'll give a quick shout out to the retail and service workers out in Las Vegas. You guys are the true heroes, and I hope they pay you at least 20 bucks an hour, if not more. Yeah, for sure. I wonder what their base pay is. I mean, I'm sure they get a lot of tips, but that's not an excuse. Yeah, I know it's not. So if you go out there, guys, tip well. They're They're dealing with a lot of shit constantly, their whole shift. So hook them up. How are you guys? Doing great. Got my Chicago cup of coffee. And yeah, later today I'm going to a brewery with my wife. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's You're married. Uh, yeah, dude. It's it's kind of weird to hear Adam say my wife. I know. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and then later we're making champlinguini. Ooh. Din din. Okay, so I'm coming over later, just so <laughs> you know. We always have leftovers. <laughs> Not if I come. <laughs> are you going to go to Foremost or are you going to go to... Straight River. Uh, Ward House in Wasika. Ooh, you're going to Wasika. Yep. Oh, they have a brewery now? They have two. Oh, They've wow. They've had two way before, two? way before our hometown ever did. I, I knew they had the one. When did the second one open? Um, 2018, maybe. Oh, wow. I'm way behind. There are breweries everywhere now. Literally yeah. everywhere. I think they're replacing bars. I could see it. But I like a good bar. You know, like uh, Toby Keith says, I love this bar. So I hope they never go away completely. In Minnesota, the bars lobbied the government, like the city or the city councils and the state government so that bars or uh, breweries couldn't have kitchens. So they'd have a leg up on them because once breweries get kitchens, it's kind of lights out for a ton of bars. How does that work then? Because they all serve food, don't they? Food trucks. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But in Minneapolis, Surly lobbied the city government to allow it to have a kitchen. And that's called the Surly Law. Because they're like, hey, we'll build this big destination brewery if you change the laws. Surly also like are union busters, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Huge dickwads. <sighs> Sorry, you can't buy any Surly beer anymore. That's, <laughs> yep. that's fine, actually, because I've always thought Surly beer, though I used to like it, some of it was always kind of overrated in my opinion they even had a beer called overrated and i agree it was a west coast ipa yep <laughs> i actually like that one <laughs> so that was the first time i drank a four pack of beer and got drunk it was off surly overrated and i was like <laughs> holy crap i didn't even get drunk up four beers <laughs> the more you know yeah when i was in vegas beers were like on average between like seven and thirteen dollars depending on where you were nice we found this one casino there's like a smaller one uh casino royale and i actually tip people if you actually go to vegas check that place out it's kind of it's like really small it's like a best western it's got a casino down below it and i had the most luck there so i don't know if they have looser slots but um beers on tap were five bucks there nice so like that was the cheapest you could find Besides the Carlsbergs and CBS for two fifty, but other than that, I don't know. 
that's how it was when I was in Hong Kong. Like when we'd go to the there's the club district called Long Kwai Fong, and uh, the beers were like twenty dollars for like a Tsing Tao. That was the cheapest thing you could get, twenty bucks. That's insane. Yeah, and, but if you went to the Seven Elevens, you could get two four deals on cans of Budweiser or something else. Like there was this Chinese state made beer that was really good. It had the old tab that you like actually like pulled off the can. You could get two of them for less than five bucks. Deal, steal. I know, I, I know. What size? So, there were sixteen ounce cans. Oh, nice. So you get two of them. <laughs> it was sick. Like seriously, it was like two for like seven Hong Kong dollars. No, not seven Hong Kong dollars. Like fourteen Hong Kong dollars or something, which I think is like a couple bucks. Really cheap beer, and it was decent. It, didn't, it wasn't like horse piss or anything. <laughs> On the first day that we hit the strip, I stopped because the casinos have like liquor stores inside them and and you can walk around with booze, which is what's nice with about Vegas. And so I got like a big can of Pacifico. It was eleven ninety five or something like that. Oh, God. <laughs> but there are some ABC stores out there and those are always cheap. And then uh, the CVSs and stuff, if you they're all along the strip, so you can stop there. Get it. They're a little bit inflated compared to like regular prices you would find, but I mean, if it's on the strip, you're going to be paying more anyways. Okay, so you spent most of your time on the strip. Yeah. Did you win a lot of money? Day one, and okay. then day two, I put it all back in <laughs> and more, and then the day we left, uh, I was able to like climb up and like basically break even. So okay, yeah, it worked out all right. There you go. One time, when I, I haven't been to Vegas since I was like 12. I really wanted to watch my mom gamble. So we, the last thing we did was at the airport, there were some slot machines. I'm like, mom, go do a slot machine. And I tried to stand next to her while she was doing it. And some security guard came up to me and forced me to stand like 10 feet away. It's like, okay, weirdo. It'd be like that full house episode where, uh, uh, I don't even remember one of the kids does the thing. Yeah. I remember, I know what you're talking about. I don't I mean, remember which kid it was. Joey Joey ended up losing all that money because, yeah. because the kid pulled it. Bummer. Dude, one time I was at Mystic Lake and uh we were playing the penny slots because we, you know, we obviously lost all our money and we had one of those nickel slips, you know? And so I'm like, let's go to the penny slots and we throw it in a penny slot. And it just so happened that the old lady, it was like a two by three back-to-back slot machines so there's six total so the lady was on one side we went to the other side to play those penny slots and she just comes running over and she's like no 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 she had money in all six machines and was playing them all it was so insane (laughs) it's like lady go away so we just gave her our five cents and walked out of there because she was a psycho some people get really fucking weird when they're gambling. Just like yeah. they'll like hit the screen, like they'll like slap Ooh. it as like it's going. It's like people are insane. She never Literally. won never another game. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, your luck. Th- see, now that you mentioned that, one time I went gambling with a customer in Buffalo, and we were playing the Wheel of Fortune, and we won like two hundred fifty bucks. It was sweet. I just cashed out because I was like. On my last five bucks, and this guy's like, "Here, I'll put in twenty dollars. If you win, if we win something, we'll split it." And we won like four hundred bucks. 
So we split it and then he took his money and went to this other machine, slot machine, and he's like, come on, come on. And he starts slapping the thing to get good luck out of it. And it just shut down. (laughs) And someone had to come by and like restart the whole machine because he hit it so hard. (laughs) He was having a good time. He was excited. He was just (laughs) slapping the machine. Yeah. Malfunctions void all winnings. Mm. Well, he lost everything there. So <laughs> I think the, the saddest thing I've seen at a casino and, you know, maybe I should look at it through a different lens because the guy was enjoying himself. But it was this old dude literally on a hospital bed. You might have been at Mystic Lake with me in, for this one, Sam. It was this old dude on a hospital bed because I think it was that time you won all that money on blackjack. Oh, he was playing this big machine that was like bells themed. And so you had to get all the, the bells matched up to win money. And he was on a roll. So he, he's sitting there on a fucking hospital bed with an oxygen mask on, pulling this lever and going clap, 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 clap. And he had a crowd of people around him clapping with him. And it's like, go back to the hospital, dude. Like, <laughs> get out of here. I don't yeah. know. It's just weird to me. There's a lot of people like, I just, I can't believe how many people are there like gambling. And then even with their kids, there were a lot of kids out there too. Oh God. Like, just parents with their kids. I'm just, I, w- I wouldn't bring my kids here, but yeah. If you want to go prospect for customers as a, uh, as a therapist, go, <laughs> go to Las Vegas and pass out business cards <laughs> to these children. They'll call you like 20 years later. <laughs> but, uh, around here, I hear a lot of people talk about going to Vegas and they all say to hang out in downtown Las Vegas, not the Strip. Like Did you Fremont, go to down- like Fremont Street, like where the old Strip is? Yeah, yeah. We never made it up there. We just did the just the regular, uh, like the Strip as it is now. Because we okay. hit like all the major themed casinos from like Caesar's Palace all the way down to the Luxor. Sure. And that was fun. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if I feel like if you went to the old Las Vegas or whatever. That's like if you frequently go. If I was just going to Las Vegas, I'd definitely go to the strip. Yeah. And there is I I mean, there's a million things you can like if you go to Vegas, I thought like three nights would be enough just if you're partying the whole time. But there's literally like a million things to do. Yeah. And it's literally just like end stage capitalism out there. Your money <laughs> your money can buy all your desires out there and you can do basically anything you want. You know, it's a libertarian's paradise, basically. And there's a chance you could win like millions of dollars. Yeah, God, that'd be nuts. That's the dream, isn't it? Yeah, I was hoping that I'd win enough to pay off my house and fund this podcast full time. But sorry, boys. Oh, missed the opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. So is that what? So we eventually like start a Patreon or or start taking like uh, Cash App or you know PayPal donations um are we just gonna spend that all in las vegas i was hoping that would be the case so here's what here's what our 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 pitch is going to be right now um because let's be honest if what we usually talk about here is kind of left-leaning ideas and we take all that cash and go to vegas we're definitely hypocrites here (laughs) so what i'll say our pitch is here is uh any donations that you give us so we can go to vegas um anything we win We'll go towards uh, left-leaning causes and paying off my house <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and and beers. We'll see. If our listeners are true leftists, 
they'll pay off all of our debts and ensure <laughs> we have an income for the rest of our lives so that we can produce this art. That's right. Because that's what this is. It's art. Yeah, that's the end stage of communism is sitting around a campfire playing guitars and banging whoever you want. So we're going to be just, we're the guitar players. Exactly. And they can bang whoever they want. <laughs> yes, none of us can. No. <laughs> we're just playing the guitars. Stop in the bass, man. So that's it. So our our Patreon will be officially the Leftist Vegas Fund. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just, we'll just go from there. That'd be sweet. Can you bet on the Olympics in Vegas? I don't know. I didn't check out any of the sports books. I'm sure you can. I mean, it seems like you can bet on anything, like elections. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Elections, yeah. What, else, like, what else do people bet on? <laughs> sports? I mean... I I think so. Those sports book places look pretty cool. They have like everything, like all the different like games playing on the TVs, and you can just go up and like place whatever bets. I'm sure it's just like DraftKings in real life. I uh, <laughs> one time when I was at a Brewers game, I they you know those races they do with the cartoon characters and the mascots around the bases. Yeah. Um, it was like different bratwursts that run around the bases at the Brewers game. And so I started getting everybody around me involved and we all put a buck down on who'd win. <laughs> and then <laughs> one time at uh, the Mavericks, the college hockey team, I was at a Mavericks game and I did the same thing when it was like children out there. Cause like at halftime, they'll have the children go out there and play against each other, like peewee league or whatever. And I, I bet on those guys too. It's exhilarating. Gambling fiend. (laughs) (laughs) I won't bet on the actual game, though. Have you guys heard of the... I might have brought this up on the podcast before, but there's like this online gambling thing going on where it's just these random like average Russian guys playing ping pong against each other. That sounds dope. Yeah. So it's just these random dudes just playing ping pong against each other and people bet who's going to win. And apparently it's like kind of a lot of money goes into this. I'm sure it's like a way to wash or launder money <laughs> but i think that'd be fun to get into isn't that why vegas was originally created for oh the mob, for sure for the mob to wash their money out there oh yeah oh yeah oh our hotel's at full capacity to 365 <laughs> <laughs> but uh god that'd be nuts we should do we should do that let's start a leftist underground ping pong gambling league <laughs> all money will go towards the revolution <laughs> There's definitely no exploitation going on here. Nope. None whatsoever. <laughs> We're giving these a, guys $15 an hour. This is, this is a classless ping pong game. Oh, <laughs> uh, that'd be fun. Um, so should we get into some serious topics now? Is life even serious? <laughs> uh, well, speaking of class right now, we're about to get some brand new cops. Oh, Across the nation. Yeah. All those those fail son cops who let those rednecks into the Capitol. Uh, they're getting some more money. <laughs> yeah, they get uh, well are like are they getting more money then? Because it was just kind of like a I suggestion, saw right? Article today that said that they might have to furlough officers over the summer because they're running out of money. 
And the they reason were... being is because of all the overtime that they had to pay uh, the Capitol Police during the insurrection. It's basically draining their budget, so they might have to furlough workers. They're going to get money. Yeah. I would assume that Congress will throw them a bone and up their budget. Yeah, I already see a couple article headlines saying members of Congress demand immediate funding for Capitol Police. They're going to get it. Yeah. But aren't they expanding and like they're going to put a field office in like Texas and Florida or something like that? California and Florida is the one I saw. Okay. California and Florida. Like, what are they going to do? I, I don't understand that. Like, are they, are they supposed to like go investigate threats against the Capitol or something? Like, I, I don't understand why, why we would need field offices for the Capitol police outside of DC. Maybe it's so the Patriots can uh, arrest. Uh, young people who don't have a job that are just leeching off the government. Maybe that's what they're thinking. I keep hearing uh, people at work say, oh, people just don't want to work. That's why, you know, we can't get Miller genuine draft here ever. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> so there's like a shortage of drivers because oh, oh. Um, I guess the companies aren't paying them enough. So there's like shortages everywhere. Yeah, I hear that all. Minnesota. I hear that all the time. Is people just don't want to work? There's millions of jobs out there. People just don't want to work. And yeah. It's like I don't. I think people just don't want to be taken advantage of anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Well, but go ahead. I, I don't think there's a real labor shortage. I think these people just found higher paying jobs. Yeah. Or because I I think there's very few people out there who are just like, ooh, great, I'm getting unemployment. And they just stay with that because there's states that have canceled. Like, the states are withholding the federal aid, like, obviously conservative states, but they're withholding the federal aid, the supplement to their unemployment programs, which were already dog shit. Like, I think in, like, Florida, you only get, like, 200-some dollars a week. Like, they have one of the worst unemployment programs in the country and now these people aren't like so it's like so even if you argue like in florida like oh no one wants to work because the government's paying for all their shit they're getting five hundred dollars a week you cannot live off five hundred dollars a week i think i think people are just a lot of people are just in general just realize they don't want to go back to the same job that they were doing yeah so some people are going like to like some sort of school or some yes. kind of job training program and just reevaluate like this great great quote unquote reset I think it's just a lot of people realized I was I had a dog shit job, yeah, and I don't want to go back to that, yeah, and so they want to hold out for something different or people working from home and deciding they don't want their boss breathing down their neck anymore, yeah, well, yeah, especially if you have like uh like the people. I guess like white collar jobs, like the people who were doing work from home. I don't think they ever had to be like stuck at their job because of COVID. Like, you know, like a lot of people when the shutdown first happened, you know, they were stuck at home because all the restaurants were closed and they were a bartender or a waiter or whatever. But like for me, for example, I found a new job in right in the middle of COVID because I could work remotely. So like Mm -hmm. those people have so much more freedom to just go anywhere. Um, Cause like, and, and I think people in like California or, you know, if people in large Metro areas are going to take advantage of this because, you know, like in LA, I, you know, saw a job offering for, uh, just like a remote salesperson and it was $55,000 a year base. You could not live off that in LA. 
No. Unless you had like five roommates in a one bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. So they can do remote work. They just send a laptop to some guy out in the middle of Nebraska or something. And hey, 55,000 is good here. Like I could actually afford a house with this salary. And then they can just do remote workers. So it just like, I think it could be partially used to keep wages low. Um, but it just opens up just a whole new worker pool for people. So it's easier for people to get jobs because they can work in different states while sitting at home. Not with the Capitol Police opening a field office right next door. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I know I got a little off topic here. But they, I mean, so what I've gathered is the Capitol Police is just like any other federal law enforcement agency. Okay. It's not like a regular police department. The only like it's they have like a board of uh, directors that control it and they're appointed by Congress because like the sergeant, oh. sergeant, at, uh, sergeant at arms in the in the in the Capitol sits on that board okay and it's like the i think it's the only federal agency that like it actually has like members of a board appointed by the uh legislative branch of government but so if they if they can act like any other federal uh, law enforcement agency then yeah they're gonna end up like popping up everywhere but like when i was looking into that i didn't realize how many law enforcement agencies we have (laughs) like it's like insane because like you think of just like the dea atf and like the like the fbi as like the big ones but like the department of commerce has their own law enforcement department uh the department of education oh yeah has their own they got fucking door kickers dude pay back your loans poof No knock search warrants. <laughs> yeah, pay off your fucking loans, asshole. Pay back your loans. Like we have, this one kind of gets me. We have U.S. Customs and Border Patrol or Border Protection under the Department of Homeland Security, but we also have ICE, which is Immigration and Custom Enforcement. Mm-hmm. Why are those two separate entities? I have actually, I saw or I listened to an episode of This American Life about that one time. And they wanted to separate from ICE because ICE is so bad. Uh, and then they actually do stuff that helps immigrants. Like we have this tiny little department within the Department of Homeland Security that um, will go and uh, sue people or you know put people in jail for taking advantage of illegal immigrants. So the specific story that I heard, it was this woman who I think she was Puerto Rican, but she was, you know, she was born in the United States. So she knew Spanish. And so she talked to all these um, illegals around the city or whatever, and promised them to represent them in court and help them get their ducks in a row so they could become citizens. And so she would just sit there and ask for all this money in advance and then just stop talking to them. And so there was just these huge, this huge population of, uh, you know, Spanish speaking immigrants who have any like, legitimate representation within the united states that just got screwed over um and so these investigators from the department of homeland security actually got them to like feel safe around them or whatever so that they could mount a case against this woman who was ripping them all off and i don't know if they like i can't remember they like recovered that much money from her or whatever but she did end up like going to jail so good came out of it yeah good came out of it and they just didn't want to be like attached to ICE because ICE, you know, does 
horrible shit where they'll just like go raid you while you're working and stuff like that and put you in a jail isn't that horrible yeah ice is just like they're becoming just this force of nonsense is basically what it is yeah leave leave these people alone we don't even need ice we should get rid of ice like it's it's a new agency like it's still i would consider them still a new agency because they're only like 15 years old like george w bush put the like created ice yeah, well, from the looks of like this list, it's like we could get rid of a couple of these law enforcement agencies <laughs> because, like, good lord, like, why isn't this all under like one umbrella? See, you know why people don't like government is because of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's just this huge bureaucracy of people that do the same thing. Essentially, it just, yes. I guess, more like what's the word like localized or like more subject driven for like some specific specific thing. But yeah. like it could all be like one agency. Like you don't need the five department million. Of edu- yeah, the Department of Education doesn't need law enforcement. Exactly. Like, but they the- do it to buy guns because like that's our bread and butter in our economy is, is weapons. So like, oh hey, uh, the Department of Education cops they have all these guns that collected dust for fifteen years. Time to get new guns, and they can just put in new orders for new guns. So it's just like ways to get separate funding for more weapons. Sure. I mean, I'm sure that's true. And I'm sure that some of this is like, because when you read about like what department you're talking about, they just have like the, you know, police department for that agency or whatever. And I'm sure that's just the police force that, just, you know, walks around that, like that grounds or the property, like the agency property. That's what, sure. that, what that department is. But like the Supreme Court has its own. <laughs> Police See, department. I and I'm just like, police yeah, it's like I figured that would be part of the Capitol Police too. I was wrong. The Supreme Court has its own police department, so it's just it just seems kind of ridiculous. And I thought like the Capitol Police was just Washington D.C.'s police force. So does Washington D.C. have its own separate police department? I think they do. I think they. I I thought that D.C. had like uh, it was more like a sheriff's department, like Longmire. <laughs> then uh but but i think there's the dc police i've heard of dc police before so that's like city cops so i'm guessing we're just going to see another rise of another federal law enforcement agency that can just you know poke their heads in our business oh yeah like fucking i don't know they'll probably call it something against like white supremacists or something enforcement against white supremacy i don't know <laughs> yeah. maybe i'm wrong i just that sounds a little too bold <laughs> yeah i suppose because like ice is just enforcement against people who aren't white so yeah. <laughs> um i don't know what would they call it because i i mean the government the current administration has admitted that white supremacy is like the biggest issue uh, or the biggest threat to american democracy right now or whatever so i think the democrats are definitely trying to like stir up some funding for some more law enforcement against racists which is good you know take care of the racism but we don't need more law enforcement to do it. No, like how that would... you just have. How about you just stop having uh, racists in your law enforcement forces? You know. Yeah. Why don't you just like tear, take care of everyone's socioeconomic problems instead that of too. throwing police at the problem? At, like that's all we do. That's why we have a million law enforcement agencies. Is instead of you know fixing problems that cause like poverty and crime and racism and, and like things of that nature, we just throw police at it and make it worse. We should just like nationalize Raytheon or something and then turn every post office in the United States into a bomb making facility so that everyone can get a job. That's my jobs guarantee program. (laughs) We need to build more weapons. (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll just create more law enforcement because law enforcement is going to keep growing and growing and growing. So if we turn every post office into a weapons making factory, we can then have the supply chain to to, to fully fund and arm these people. Well, you're going to need another war because we're already we're pulling out of Afghanistan now. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and they're so long. It's like we shouldn't even leave, you know? Yeah. John McCain said we're going to be there for 100 years. He'd be rolling in his grave. Maybe he is. 80 years too short. Yeah, that is nuts. Like, that's most of our lifetime we've been at war. Yeah, two decades. That's insane. There are people who fought in the war in Afghanistan that were born after 9-11. I know. <laughs> that's just, so crazy. I can't, like, I can't even wrap my mind around, like, how long we've been in Afghanistan. Well, yeah, and then there's, like, fathers and sons who've both fought and probably mothers and daughters who have both fought in uh, Afghanistan in the same war. Insane. Do you think there's anybody out there who like was so patriotic? They're like, I'm going to, me and my wife are going to bust out like seven kids so they can go to war in Afghanistan or something. <laughs> and they just like brought these kids up from like the year 2001 to like 2019 to join the military. And I mean, there's military families for sure. So I won't be surprised. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> that would be insane. That's like some next level. Like that's almost like Nazi shit right there. Yeah, we didn't have children, we so we we don't have any Nazi shit in America. <laughs> that's very that's very true. It's like we need the we need to breed people for service to the state. Yeah, just, I mean that's basically. I think that's basically the Republican platform. That's why they're anti-abortion. They're so anti anti-government though except for the military yeah except for the military i guess they're anti-government to a point because government spending do you remember how what was that guy from wisconsin's name ron johnson no scott walker the guy who was the speaker of the house he just retired paul ryan Ryan. paul ryan yeah Yeah. so paul ryan do you remember the ryan plan that was supposed to balance our budget sounds spicy yeah, when he was running for vice president, he, him and Mitt Romney were like, we're going to balance the budget. And they had the Ryan plan. And all it did was cut spending for everything just across the board, but allowed for increased military spending. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's basically been the Republicans like stance on on the budget is just cut, cut, cut government funding for everything. You know, they I didn't think it were just snap benefits or they tried to under tried. Obama. Yep. But they're like, yeah, let's just get rid of uh, the benefits or whatever. The American people know how to use their dollar better than we do. So stupid. And then just grow the military. At what point does that force just collapse on itself because it com- becomes just a behemoth? You know, it has all that money that goes missing anyways. Or like, it's such a big, that's why like, we talked about how government's like this big bureaucracy. That's why nobody likes it. Like the Department of Defense is the biggest Yes. Of it all. It's like there's no, there needs to be like more accountability. At least if you're going to have like all that funding go out there, you need to like have like it audited consistently yeah. all the time because that money is just disappearing. Well, yeah. There, Sorry. No, it's, there's no reason that we're spending this much money, you know? Or for an example for like when I was in the service, which was how many years ago now? Like eight, nine years ago. Like you still have like outdated computers and stuff. It's like you have this massive military budget and like you can't have like like it doesn't trickle all the way down to the ground. So it's like where where is it going? Yeah, that's why they go unaudited. That's yeah. why they that's why they did 9-11. So we go in another war. They're about to get audited. Uh, that was a joke. Satire. Um, this, this podcast has made a turn. <laughs> Welcome to Conspiracy Corner. 
um, but no, they, uh, yeah, I think the Pentagon's gone unaudited for just as long, uh, like since like 1992 or something like that. And they can't, they don't know what happened to all their money. Like their billions of dollars have just disappeared. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's going to do shady shit, like pay people off or whatever funding weapons for, you know, terrorist forces or whatever, all over Syria, like stuff like that. Or just in the pockets of generals. If you want a fun, uh, like a fun little adventure, go to any like stock graph page where you can type in stocks. Look at like Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon. I, you know, you can go on with the major defense contractors and look since 9-11 at mm. their stock price. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Gosh, that's nuts. Yeah. You know, and, and people say like, oh, are your governments corrupt? Because all your politicians come out way richer, or that's an argument. It's like, well, look at all our corporations. How much more value they've gained? How many? How much richer bankers have become, or uh, you know, people who own these defense comp- contractors? How much richer they've become? They shouldn't be making that much money. A, a traditional government contract is a blind uh, bidding. So everybody, like, if you're if you're bidding on a government job to supply all the you know all the bombs for the United States government. <clears throat> They reach, you're supposed to just do a blind quote into their FTP or whatever, and then they submit the cheapest one or they select the cheapest one. But like under Dick Cheney, for example, he was just giving it to his buds at Raytheon because they were he was on the board of Raytheon or whatever. And so they would get these no bid contracts. Halliburton. Yeah, they would get no bid contracts. They'd be awarded no bid contracts and just get fucking rich. So it's like that's <laughs> that's so corrupt. Getting rich off war is the most disgusting thing you could ever do. Honestly. It is. It is absolutely just disgusting. That's why, like, I don't even know. You know, it's like defense should be just, like, nationalized. It, it, it should not be, like, why are we enriching, like, these, their shareholders off of war and defense? Like, that's that's gross. That is really gross to me. It's really it is. disgusting. It is. Or funding both sides of a war. Yeah. I, I mean, how- to do that, too. In your opinion, do you think an American soldier has been killed by a gun from a combatant force that was purchased by the United States? Yes. Adam? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Isn't that fucking insane? It's like, yeah, we're killing our own guys. It's like like the, the shadow war that we ended up funding in like Syria. Like we ended up, how many different sides we ended up funding there? Weren't there like five different sides? Uh, yeah, kind and of- that... I mean, that's what happens in those kind of civil yeah. wars. Like they fraction off and like end up becoming like this, you know, whirlwind of just destruction. Mm-hmm. And we ended up funding like every side. <laughs> and so like troops have gotten killed like there. Like who knows? Like our government could have funded that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked to one guy here in town. He said he was in some sort of Humvee accident in Syria and messed up his back. But I don't know. that was probably dang. Uh, yeah, like 2017, maybe. I I don't even know what happened to that war. It kind of just you know blooped off the screen. And well, it, it's because like we weren't technically th- like there. There, I mean, we had like troops by the Turkish border, I think, but like mm-hmm. it was just to contain ISIS because we went back to Iraq after we left Iraq. Maybe that's what's going to happen in Afghanistan. We're going to leave Afghanistan and then we're going to go back. Well, they have talked part about two. Yeah. yeah, the next 20 years. It's it's part of our franchise. I think it'll be private contractors that go back or never leave. I think they're the I think the US military is going to leave, but the private contractors are going to stay. Very true. I wasn't even thinking about private contractors, but yeah, I could see that. You don't have any technical boots on the ground then if it's just 
private military contractors. Whatever whatever happened to Blackwater? Because didn't they become like Academy or something? They changed their name. They change their name like every year because they get a bunch of they get sued all the time. Yeah, I've heard that before that they change their names because they have to restart um, lawsuits if they change their name. That's so insane. I mean, that's completely the government protecting their assets. Yeah, they're called Academy. Academy now. It's A-C-A-D-E-M-I. Doesn't sound threatening at all. <laughs> that sounds like the X-Men thing. Wasn't that like an X-Men? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back to school. So, do, you, do you think the... Uh, is the guy who runs it... His name's Eric Prince. He's, he was an ex-Navy SEAL. Do you think yeah. he's like in a wheelchair? No. <laughs> he's, he's doing great. Oh, okay. You know, his yeah. dad invented the sun visor. I believe. Wow. Because like Blackwater had like blanket immunity during the Iraq war and they ended up killing like a ton of civilians. And that was like a, like a quote unquote supposed breaking point where we were going to stop using Blackwater because of that, because they had no accountability. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe this is going too far off the tracks, but wasn't there a big case about that? Because like there was like six guys just opened fire in like the middle of a market or something in in Iraq or in Baghdad. Weren't those the guys who were pardoned by Trump? Yeah, they were pardoned. But that's what I was just going to say. Oh, they were pardoned by Trump. Right. The guys shot like a 16 year old boy. Yeah, that was like the midnight pardons or whatever after he knew he lost, but was saying everything was fake. And see, they pardoned people like um, Kodak Black and uh, what was his name? Lil Wayne. So that people would be like, oh, Trump did the, the, to hide the fact that he was pardoning all these disgusting people. Like, didn't he pardon Michael Flynn or what? Yeah. I thought that was right before the Capitol incident. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he knew he had lost. And so they were doing all this like mm-hmm. contingency it yeah. programs to like, or yeah. <clears throat> They're like, oh, Trump's not going to have four more years. So let's, you know, what's what's more, what's the most important thing to do right now? You know, just let all these criminals go, so they can join a federal law enforcement agency. Yeah, I mean, I think it's disgusting that Trump brought back federal educate uh, federal uh, executions, and he executed. So there's this really horrible story where this woman who was crazy, for lack of a better term, found another woman on Facebook through a a preg- uh, pregnant mom's group like this woman wasn't actually pregnant but she participated in this pregnant mom's group like she was and found this woman who was pregnant with a child who was also a real estate agent asked her to show her a house and when she got to the house she cut the child out of this woman's belly and killed her child survived so this girl is this woman's she's like 20 years old now but anyway so she got sentenced to death and since there's a stay on execution she was just kind of rotting away in prison and she uh trump killed her and she was legitimately like clinically insane. So should she have been in captivity? Sure. But should she have been murdered? In my opinion, no. I don't think the death penalty is justified in any sense. So this woman, Trump kills her, but then he pardons these disgusting monsters who just opened up on civilians in the middle of the street in you a foreign thi- country. You got to think like far right person, you know, if, if you do that overseas to like a quote unquote enemy, it's fine. They're not Americans, but like, that's like, I don't understand. Like they, these people are so anti-government, but they allow for state executions. Yeah. Why should the government have a say whether or not somebody lives or dies? You know, even if they are like a, like a serial killer or like a mass murderer or something like that, just lock them up forever. Yeah. It's In like, my why, opinion, locking somebody up forever is worse than killing them. Yeah, it's just like it, it does nothing like executions don't have any kind of deterrence on violent actions as we're seeing because we have mass shootings all the time. Yeah, 
in the United States. It does nothing to deter that behavior. Just lock them up forever. Actually rehabilitate them. Yeah. It's just, I don't, it just, it's just, it makes them feel better for some reason. Like mm-hmm. it's like they, they like see like, oh, this mass murderer ever got killed. Like we executed him. I feel good now. Yeah. But <laughs> why does that make you feel good? You know, like, I don't know. It just, it kind of, it's bizarre to me. I just, I don't think the state should have life or death like powers it makes us no better like do you remember that drake and josh meme i shared where it's josh saying but drake <laughs> if we if the united states has the power to kill these people aren't we in turn then like the same thing we're murderers our country is a bunch of murderers because you're murdering something like when if you put somebody to death if it's humane or not or whatever you're murdering them you're taking their life away you're putting them down like a sick dog that's just not good that's not a good example. It's like, of course, we're going to have a country of violent people if we're a violent government. And so it's just like, I don't know. I just think it's disgusting. It's like these yeah. people, I truly believe, unless it's a very insane case, like Anders Brevik, like that guy, that guy needs to be gone forever in jail. But if you, if someone, if, if someone murders somebody, I think they should have the opportunity to get out of jail eventually and make up for what they've done. But that would, that would, that would, call for a need for actual rehabilitation in prison systems and yeah. we don't we don't do that in the united states i know yeah if anything if anything we create an environment where people just go get out of prison just to reoffend, yes and go back to prison very true i agree yeah and i think that's another thing that would have to change with that is how we process these people through our prison system they should be rehabilitated because Chances are they were never shown a good... If, if, I mean, if you have the capacity to murder somebody, you obviously don't know how to deal with your fear and anger. And so they've probably grown up in an environment that was just constant fear and anxiety their entire lives. And so they need to learn what it's like to live in an, an environment where you don't need to be constantly fearful or anxious about what's going to happen to you. Because I don't think... I think very few people murder out of pleasure. I think they do it out of anger fear or self-defense yeah and sending them to prison isn't going to give them that that lack of fear and like a safe place to like be rehabilitated that's why like think in norway it's basically they turn prisons more into like a college campus yeah and they have like dorms and it's you know what what is their punishment like because that's what we're big on in the united states we're big on punishment right mm-hmm. these people don't, don't deserve any dignity right they're getting punished they made mm-hmm. their choices they're gonna send them to prison they're gonna get punished there but that's not re- rehabilitation that's punishment so in norway like they think their punishment is they take their freedom away they can't mm-hmm. leave they can't leave here but now we're gonna set up like these workshops and schools and you know we're gonna rehabilitate them in order to be more functioning when they re-enter society and yeah. i think they have a, a like a very low like uh recidivism or fuck what's the yeah. word <laughs> i don't even know i'm looking for the word recidivism too, like, yeah they don't they don't reoffend as much mm-hmm. yeah maybe learning the what the actual consequences of what you've inflicted on another person that can be horrifying to acknowledge and and face but we don't really do that here in the u.s zero reflection we have like a culture like a culture of like we love war like we're, when we go to war we're all riled up we're like hell yeah we're gonna bomb them back to the stone yeah. age you know like we have that we have we're talking about the massive like law enforcement agencies that are just growing and growing and growing and that as we saw during like the black lives matter protests like last year violently put those down yep 
it's like Ed, you you like look look at like even like if you were on like your local news comment section, which is just a hotbed of you know good, <laughs> good hot takes there. <laughs> um, you talk about like people just like hell yeah, I'll run these protesters over. Mm-hmm. You know, like why like why do you think that way? Why well, do you yeah, think we... it's okay to run somebody over regardless of what they're doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they have we've had state governments try to pass legislation that would make it legal to run these people over. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, like Florida just like is having their their first case. I think it's Florida. Don't quote me on that because they passed a law like that that said like you can't deface memorials because they wanted to stop people from defacing Confederate memorials. Yes. Well, somebody like drove their truck in Orlando through like a pride. Uh, like Pride Rainbow, like walkway, and like skid marked it everywhere, and he got arrested. But that was a memorial for the Pulse Night shooting, nightclub shooting. Yeah. So he defaced the memorial, and so now like they're saying like, well, we'll have to look at the language in the law, oh. you know, because you know it's just like, well, you pass a law, he defaced a memorial, he gets extra punishment now, you know, like I, I don't know, but like Florida is like a good example of like they passed a law like that. But just, yeah. we have well, this psyche in this country where we're just like, we just need to be more violent about it. It's just weird. Yeah. It's bizarre. I don't know. I think we should take a moment to like kind of think about what that actually means. Like you, like what you just shared about, you know, oh, hey, they defaced a memorial for a bunch of people who were murdered because they were gay. This literal state does not care enough about those people's lives to fully screw this guy over and put him and punish this man for doing that. And, and, and there are gay people, LGBTQ people living in that state. They live under a government that doesn't represent them equally compared to a straight white person. Mm-hmm. So it, it's horrible. So like anyone who thinks that like we need Republicans to put a check on Democrats, think about that. Think about the legislation that they put through that completely undermines communities in this country and how much they don't care about those people's lives like that's evidence right there that they do not care about these people's lives and they just need to go away like i know that the you know we make fun of neoliberal democrats because i do think they're ineffective and they're not really a good buffer to this kind of extremism that we're seeing out of the right because they kind of just let it happen but they're not doing it themselves you know Mm mm-hmm so it's like, you know, I know it's that old argument, lesser of two evils or whatever, but think about how evil that is, that you have an entire state government who does not care about the deaths the, of from a terrorist, you know? Think about how much they care about 9-11. Right. The gay community for decades has been dealing with things like this, and the Republicans do not care. They do not care. They would rather put somebody who defaces a slave owner's statue in jail for 20 years than somebody who defaced a memorial to victims of of a terrorist attack in their own state and it's disgusting i mean you look at all the republican legislators that were trying to like we were talking on one of the podcast episodes about like trans children like how they shouldn't be able to play in sports you know mm-hmm. complete assault on like their humanity mm-hmm. and an acknowledgement that they don't believe that those people should exist mm-hmm. or, you know, cause you hear it all the time. It's like, they just have a mental disorder, you know, just like on and on. And the same thing we were talking about ice earlier. We still have kids in cages under the Biden administration. That story has completely disappeared. Yeah. So it's, yeah. If you're not white, straight, traditional male, especially on the Republican side, then you're right. They, it's like, you, you don't really matter as much. You don't, well, I mean, flat out, they, they say you don't matter as much. For sure. They do it through their actions and their words. Like they're not being secretive about it, but people just choose to ignore it. 
And there are legitimately people out there who, like, look at Arizona. There are people out there who voted for a Democratic senator and voted for Trump, like thinking like we need to have a check. They need to have a check on each other. But Republicans are literally batshit insane and hate life. Like, it's insane that they we we do need a check. I think we do need a check on the neoliberal Democrats, but I think it should come from socialist Democrats. I don't think it. I think we need to completely do away with the the party of white rage, which is the Republicans, and it's insane. Yeah, the party of Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. They need the goal. Yeah, for, they literally, legitimately have like rapists and pedophiles in their party. Like, look at Matt Gates. That dude is a creep. <laughs> He's dating seventeen-year-old chicks. That's fucked up. This guy needs to go. Like these people just need to go. And I it's beyond me that like we have populations, large populations of our society that will vote for these people. It's insane. It's just like the warped reality cuz like you can't vote for like it's how ingrained the parties have become. It's like you you can't vote for a Democrat. You can't to some of these Republican voters. It's like it would be well because I've heard of stories about like even like how religious like religious communities are hyper Republican evangelicals. It's just mm-hmm. like if you vote for a Democrat, they literally like excommunicate you from like your family because it's like you're voting for literal Satan if you vote for a Democrat is what they yeah. believe. Mm-hmm. It's like this warped sense of reality that they have worked themselves into. Is that Republicans are so somehow godly and righteous because they're anti-abortion? They're literally yeah. a one-trick pony, and I, I never really comprehended that until Hillary Clinton lost because I was listening to NPR on my way to work, and they had a panel of voters, and you know that Republicans and Democrats, and this girl, literal like eighteen-year-old girl, was on there, and she's like. Well, you know, I know Trump says a lot of bad stuff and, you know, the grab him by the pussy thing and all that stuff. But, you know, Hillary just she's for abortion and Trump's against abortion. He's, you know, and so I got to vote for Trump. And that's literally all they did. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the reason why they voted for Trump is because of that. And it's just such a they just have a one track mind. You know, it has to be in God with God or whatever. Yeah. And so that's I think that's why they don't care about like climate change and, you know, uh, you know, things like that. Because they just think, oh, God, it's in God's hands. It's in God's hands, and I'm going to go to heaven when I die, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. That's what they believe. I mean, it's what it what they believe, so that means, you know, fuck all on earth. It doesn't matter, because mm-hmm. I have a heavenly a heavenly body waiting for me in the next life. I grew up with this shit. Well, Adam, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we grew up with this shit, and, like, it's just how they think. Or they think, you know... If the world is falling apart, then, you know, Jesus will come back and rescue the world from that. Right. Like that's the other, another lens to view the world through. That's why, like, some of these evangelical, like, uh, congresspersons make me nervous is because, like, I think they want to start, like, a big war in, like, Israel or whatever because they think mm-hmm. Jesus will come back when that yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, evangelicals are the biggest donator to Israel other than the United States. Yes. Because they believe if all the Jews go back to Israel, God will kill them and then bring us all to the punish our promised land. How is this any different than Scientology? <laughs> I mean, if you can believe like shit like that, let me rephrase and be more polite. You can believe we don't need to be polite want. to these people. <laughs> Honestly, if you have a strongly held belief that's spiritual and religious, that's fine. Like, if if it makes you feel better and makes you a better person, that's a good thing. But when you start doing shit like that, like, we need to start a war, or I hate gay people, or whatever it is, then you need to reevaluate yourself. Because that's Mm -hmm. not what religion is supposed to be about. It's about spiritual and inner peace. Yeah. And finding brotherhood and sisterhood within man. It's not... 
this whack shit, autocratic, weird, American-style Taliban, whatever you want to call it. Like, it's not, it's not that. And, well, our true god in America is capitalism, but yeah, I can go on. It's just, everyone needs to take a chill pill. <laughs> Seriously, though. Yeah, gosh, I don't know. I'm hoping these people are on their way out. I mean, because, you know, we see that most Americans aren't part of a congregation anymore. So yeah, maybe I it's mean, just going to take time. That's, that's the thing, you know, they've they had like religious, uh, I guess, a religious compelling to, you know, love God and stuff. But, you know, they don't believe in God anymore. So they believe in money and they worship that. Yeah, that's kind of what like some of these events have become. And you know, they no longer care about their community. They don't care about their neighbor. They don't love their neighbor. They love money. They love comparing themselves to their neighbor. And this one-upmanship in this country is just, <laughs> it's getting kind of fucking ugly. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, that's why young people don't, I think, young people are supposedly more socialist. And that's probably why they don't like some of these congregations, because exactly what you said. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I, so I, you know, I went to Trinity Lutheran Church and <laughs> I remember my dad always saying, because so they bought some cla- uh, some houses uh, that were right next door to the church so they could push them over and build a bigger parking lot. And my dad would always say it so people could come in and show off their Escalades. <laughs> Churches are like a hotbed of gossip, you know? For sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like the community. In a lot of places, it, I don't think it plays a, is a big of a role anymore, but that is the community center. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if... If churches are smaller, there's going to be more community there. But and I mean, I don't know how at what point it stops being about community and more about kind of worshiping money or comparing yourself to these other people that are going. See, that's why, like, I'm always kind of because people are big on like we need to tax churches, mm-hmm. and I think we do need to tax yes. like these mega churches. Absolutely, yes. these mega churches need to get taxed. However, like when I like when I see like because I live in a small town, that is like a community center, like you were talking about. It is a good place for the community to come together and like, you know, interact with each other. It's a good thing in small towns. Like your church is a good thing. It's when it's like, if if your church, you know, teaching about like the brother brotherhood and sisterhood of man and like learning about inner peace and learning to love each other, that's mm-hmm. a great place for community mm-hmm. and community, like just getting together and hanging out. It's when you start getting vile and hateful, that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. Or if it's like, you know, prosperity gospel, you know, just like, yeah. if God, if God, God will bless you like no other, if you buy my book set for twenty nine ninety five. Okay, Dave Ramsey. Re- <laughs> recurring subscription like you know yeah. it's what you got stuff yeah yeah and i i mean i i agree so like a lot of you know when when new immigrant communities come to the area so like in chicago when polish and italians first started coming there the church was their community center because people were being racist towards them and everything so it's where they could go be with people who respected them uh you know meet families develop business relationships this you know all that um but I do think I don't I'd like the church can just be a double edged sword. It's depending on who, you know, the shepherd leading the flock, because like <clears throat> even so, like my grandpa still goes to church. He goes to a very small church in a small town. Most just old people go there. But their pastor is a lunatic. Like he originally he was a pastor there in like the early 90s, mid 90s. I remember this guy because I would go every now and then. And he left the Lutheran. I, I don't know exactly like the the main lutheran organization i think there's like two different like sects of lutheranism and 
one of them voted to allow uh, gay and lesbians to be pastors. He didn't like that, so he left. And he literally just left the church and went away. And then they brought him back after like 20 years. And so now he's back there doing the same shit and getting all these old people all angry about gay people and minorities and this and that. And it's so they're taking a precious resource in a small community and destroying it. Mm -hmm. Cause like, that's like you were saying, like the church it's where people like gossip and stuff like after church, hour long church service, they'd go down to the church basement and they'd serve cake and coffee and they'd all sit around at tables and they'd talk and enjoy each other's company. And now this pastor is just putting Fox news ideas in their brains to sit there and let all this hate fester. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of churches in this country that are indistinguishable from Fox news. Yeah. (laughs) Tucker Carlson is the pastor. (laughs) How many churches do you think have like Bible study type things where like, Oh, come in on Wednesday night and we'll watch last week's Tucker highlights. Pastor Tucker. Oh my God! Don't even say that. It's probably <laughs> true. It's probably true somewhere. Yeah, money yeah, making scheme. Maybe one time. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I mean, I've been fortunate where most of my interactions with the church have been positive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Aside from your guys's church. <laughs> uh, but I was there as a criminal, so I'm no longer uh, there. <laughs> I have left that church many, many years ago. But yeah, I mean, I'm non-religious now, but I, I think overall I did have a positive uh, takeaway from being in church. Um, definitely, I do can identify some probably toxic things that happened when I was there, mm-hmm. um, but I was able to learn, you know, that, hey, that was bad. But like my church never seemed to other people, you know, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they got a little too, too big for their britches and you know, money started to take precedence, but they never, they definitely never like excluded people from the community. Yeah. And I think now, like, you know, churches are struggling to retain young people. Um, and I think they have to kind of distance themselves from kind of othering people. If otherwise those young people, they're just going to fall away, which well, yeah, I don't, I've kind of noticed, you know, throughout my times going to church, you know, it seems like they've stopped othering people as bad as maybe when i was growing up like it's maybe a 10 year old or i don't know yeah if that makes any sense i mean like there's a huge shift in culture um around 2004 maybe and just in our area like gays are awful and now everybody has a gay best friend basically at one point or another in their life yeah which is huge. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that is a big culture like just, shift. Like you, yeah. So maybe we'll see. Like those churches that hold on to like those bigoted views, yeah, will eventually just fade away. Yeah, yeah. Time will tell. <laughs> Time will tell. Well, like, yeah. I mean, I think in the case of my grandpa's church, once their congregation's dead, I think that church is going to be gone. Yeah, because literally they don't have young people coming in. Mm-hmm. It's all old people, uh, and unfortunately, the old people leave their money to this church so it keeps dragging on and they're all like old rich farmers you know so like, oh here we got a million dollars when this guy died sweet um but eventually people are just going to stop coming i mean every time i haven't been there for like one time we went there to for like father's day or whatever for my grandpa but that was years and years ago um but every time i had gone there for a you know a service probably starting at age you know 15 i would the youngest people there aside from like me and my cousins, which was like six of us were my parents who were in their like forties. So there's a 
really they don't have any children to come up through the like confirmation classes and whatever at that church. And, you know, I think it's just going to disappear. And so maybe that's the silver lining is that's all just going to disappear eventually because the congregation's too old. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's going to go away eventually, but this one's sooner than later. <laughs> <laughs> but have you, when you were in college, did you notice like all those churches that were called like Oxygen or Ignite or, you know, all those new age religions? I mean, I yeah, I'm aware of them. Yeah. So like, because I kind of got reminded of that when you said, um, like the church is going to have to kind of veer off othering people and stuff if they're going to survive. Yes. Um, so like what I noticed in my college in particular was that they, they preyed on international students. Okay. I knew so many Asian Buddhists that they just like were all over, like even to the degree of marrying them. And turning them into Christians. And so I know, I have like, and granted, this is anecdotal, but I know multiple Asians, like Taiwanese and Chinese people, mm-hmm. who went home and actually fought with their families because their mothers and fathers were Buddhists and they had become Chinese and they were trying to tell their moms and dads that their religion was fake and they need to be saved by Christ. I mean, I, I can't think of any cases of that really happening, but. Granted, I went to uh, a very white bread college. I mean, so did I. <laughs> um, Probably 95% white. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just really involved. Since I was in like global studies and stuff, I was really involved with like the international clubs. Mm-hmm. So I just, I think I just had like a front row seat to to their conversion tactics. Yeah. And one time, so like I was the president of the global studies club. We were tabling or whatever for freshman orientation. And these fuckers <laughs> were like, well, can we stand in front of your table? And like everyone who came up to my table, like, like they literally stood in front of me and they were just trying to pass out these God pamphlets to people. And I'm like, can you guys like, I mean, I don't care if you're here, but can you like take a few steps back? You know, because yeah. they're like right in front of my table and they just like got freaked out and left. <laughs> I'm like, good, get out of here. Like these poor, like, like, think about that. You're like an international student. You're in a foreign country. You don't know anybody. You hardly, or you probably have a good grasp on the language. Otherwise you wouldn't have been able to get into the school. And then like the only people who talk to you are these psychos who have all these new age churches. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's the thing, you know, ch- church groups on campus, that's like an instant community that you could emerge yourself in. I mean, yeah, like suddenly you're, I mean, without that church group, you're probably just picking up maybe one or two friends. Whereas if you emerge, immerse yourself in that uh, church community, you have like 40 people immediately and they all seem to like you. Yeah. I mean, and I think they, you know, they generally do like you, but yeah, you, like you said, they might also be a mark maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to turn like, them into Christians. Yeah. <laughs> That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. And from my, I mean, I was, I mean, as you know, I, you know, I was in a relationship with somebody from the international community. So like I knew a lot of the international students uh, on campus just through school activities in my personal life. And it seemed like they either, the two largest groups of the international students would either go with the Christians or they would just become insular and only talk to other people who came from the same country as them. Yep. Or there were few who branched out and like did kind of get intersected with your traditional like local, you know, kid from Minnesota 
college kid, you know, and they would, Mm -hmm. they would socialize, you know, with your average, your typical college student. Um, and so I don't know, I kind of tried to start making a point to, to hang out with these people just so that, you know, they didn't get indoctrinated (laughs) into these like new age religions and stuff, which I don't know if they honestly were struck by the word of God and became Christians because of that, you know, good on them. It's their life or whatever. But I do think a lot of it was just they were they were being targeted because they were vulnerable. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like, I mean, when something's new, it's kind of scary. Like when you go to college, it's kind of scary. So a lot of people join like church groups. I did the same thing when I was like in a boot camp, you know, you got to go to church for like four hours on Sunday. And it was like the only place where like people weren't, you know, yelling and screaming and you weren't terrified the entire time. Mm-hmm. And so like you like start hanging out at the church. And I will say I started going to the Mormon church and Mormons are the nicest people on the planet. Yeah, they are. Unless they're Mitt Romney working for like a private equity firm. <laughs> <laughs> However, I will say that Mormons are the nicest people on the planet. And I was just blown away by like, cause like they didn't like all the other churches. Like if you went to like an evangelical one, you were just singing the whole time, you know, singing worship and they'd hand out like these military Bibles. It was weird. It was really weird because they were like literally trying to recruit like soldiers of God mm-hmm. or Marines of God or whatever you want to say. But like the Mormon church was just like, you just go there for a meeting, you talk a little bit. And then if you wanted to write letters, they'd let you write letters. You're like, yeah. And then they threw us a cookout uh, when we graduated. So nice. I will give a shout out to the Mormon church saying that, you know, you guys are really, really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mormons are always really successful in business too and basketball. Look at the D1 players. So many of them are from, they call them like the Seventh-day Adventists or something. Mm. It's Mormonism. And a lot of them leave to go on their mission or whatever, like right in the middle of this like star-studded college career. It's crazy. (laughs) But uh, So all of this is, you know, reasons why we don't want to increase law enforcement agencies across (laughs) the United States. Yeah, dude. Just the proliferation of this stuff. <laughs> it's causing people to go into these insular communities that can maybe sometimes be positive, but most of the time are negative. But, but anyway, should we uh, wrap it up or did you want to talk about that last thing? What do you think, Adam? Do we want to do a double header since we've been gone for so long? Double yeah, Adam, you're the uh, you're the French guy here, so you got to you got to talk about Haiti. I don't know anything about Haiti. (laughs) (laughs) You know how to say his name. The president of Haiti was assassinated. I feel like you're just, we're just going to cut this part out anyway. Jovenel Moise. That's how you say it. I don't know. I don't know. We're going (laughs) to touch on this because the whole thing was kind of nuts because it seemed like it was well orchestrated and well funded. And the crazy part about it, I guess, is during the assassination, like, the guys screamed out that they were DEA agents. Speaking of law enforcement agent agencies. Whoa. Yeah. They like screamed out that they were part of the drug enforcement agency and then, uh, you know, went in and I, I'm not even sure how he was killed or assassinated. I heard he was they uh, shot him. riddled with bullets. Oh, yeah. Okay. So they shot him. And one went through his eye. Eek. 
And then, so apparently two Haitian Americans are like among the detained. And then Colombia says that there's 13 um, former soldiers that are among the suspects in Haiti of the assassination. And That's a lot, wild. I guess a lot of people in Haiti, I was watching Hassan Piker's stream and he had uh, the thing from Democracy Now! on. And a lot of people uh, in Haiti are kind of sus of the United States being behind it because Weren't we behind like the 2004 coup d'etat? I don't know. I know that we occupied we occupied Haiti from like 1915 to 1934. And so yeah. we were like a major occupying force and then kind of just have been meddling in their like, um, you know, politics ever since then. And so people it's kind of crazy to me that people like in the Caribbean and then in Latin America, whenever something goes on, they're just like sus america like i'm not surprised by that no i guess i'm not i'm not (laughs) surprised by that at all because like history dictates but it's just it's always crazy to hear like as an american you kind of live in your own little bubble yeah not realizing all the like havoc that we're just causing Causing. around the world and so like whenever something like a government gets overthrown or someone's assassinated it's like i bet it was the u.s yeah (laughs) well the the government the haitian government uh, According to CNN, on Friday, the Haitian government requested the U.S. send troops in to protect infrastructure ports, airports, and energy systems following the assassination. Mm-hmm. So so they want 500 troops from the United States to protect their stuff from potential mercenaries. Um, and then the acting prime minister also requests that the U.N. send peacekeepers in to do the same thing. Yeah. So it could be. And, and when you said DEA, like they're screaming their DEA. I wouldn't be surprised if the DEA had a bunch of Colombian agents. Yeah. That makes exactly. perfect sense. But it's just like the point the point I've heard too that they're trying to make about like this being like a coup or like an assassination. It's like he this this former president was like an American asset. Like he like has been in power since I don't I don't have my research here. He's been in power for a while and like he delayed the elections because of COVID and the US and the Biden administration like agreed with that supported that that effort so that caused like political turmoil in in itself because like he was just trying to hang on the power and mm. apparently he's got like a gang of some people who just go out and like massacre people that just like is basically con- like was controlled by the government i could be wrong i guess in what i'm saying like it, it sounds like there, there was a lot going on that we don't know like i guess i don't know enough about haitian politics to like you yeah, know see this yeah i mean to, my two they cents hit by a hurricane or an earthquake or something or both maybe. yeah there was that earthquake in haiti that uh i think like tiger woods sent like a medical unit down there or whatever like a big medical ship or something so it's just been kind of a the thing i want to point out is just like everyone's just like sus on the united states being behind it and it's just kind of the footprint that we've like left across the world is whenever something like this happens everyone's always just like I bet the Americans did it. Yeah, I think maybe the third world is kind of like the the gym for the U.S. military. I mean, <laughs> they go to get swole, you know, <laughs> test out new toys and, you know, flex their biceps. It's And it's always countries that tend to be like they want to determine their own future. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like we can't allow that. It's like why do you think all these like so-called third world socialist countries can't can't produce anything good for their like for their neighbors like i'm thinking like cuba and like venezuela Venezuela. we have like trade embargoes on them so people can't trade with them Mm -hmm. you know we we're like impoverishing them because we don't agree with their ideology 
Yeah. And then half, I mean, they do have, like, some of these countries do end up having some very, like, autocratic leaders, which is wrong because people, people within the country need to decide their own destiny. People need to choose their own governments and the government, or, and they need to choose their own destiny without interference from like the united states i agree basically what we're, we're, we're doing around the world is just neo-imperialism it's yep. it's it's imperialism with a nice take on it like you yeah. know with with a smiley face yeah and you know obviously i i, I will say that our military interactions have probably lessened uh in terms of how many countries were you know attacking we created like the international monetary fund and the World Trade Organization, so we could do the same thing, yeah, but diplomatically. It's like, yeah, it's like a other military jujitsu move where you just well, like hang Jam- them up in debt. Yeah, that's what and happened in Jamaica. You got, him, you got him in like this beautiful chokehold. Yeah, I mean, doesn't China do that to a bunch of like African countries? Yeah, I think where do you think they learned it from? <laughs> well, I mean, you're not wrong, but I because a lot of those like the IMF was created. It was, it was created like in the 40s, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Don't, don't. It was like I, after the, the, it's called like the Bretton Woods something or another. And I think it happened right after World War II where they created this international, like international monetary fund. You know, they created all these international organizations so that the West, that were very Western centric. Yeah. Um, so that they could continue to dominate. But what I was going to say is like, I, I have a feeling a lot of people were on board with like the messaging back then because it, like it acted like they wanted to have everybody in like good faith, like help everybody in good faith. Because after peace. after the Second World War, everybody was like, "Can't do that again." Like fuck. Mm-hmm. Like that was like if that was after the First World War, and then we're on to this. Like the third one's gonna fucking blow. It's gonna suck. Yeah. It's gonna kill us all. It's like so, they created all this stuff, and a lot of people signed on as like this is gonna be like act like thinking that they're acting in good faith. Democrats, you know, when you're thinking about Republicans, they're not acting in good faith. But like you know, they say like we're gonna act in good faith. It it turned out to be you know the opposite of that. It's just like these rich countries being able to take advantage of all the poorer countries and just like holding them, basically holding them hostage with mm-hmm. money. Well, yeah, and then the the United States will even say things like our foreign policy uh initiatives, like number 1 is human rights and good governance, and then number 2 is economics. But <laughs> yeah. Like I guess if they think Not that true. destroying a country so you can build a ton of McDonald's is good for human rights, uh, they're yeah, not they, really playing by their own rules. Yeah, if they cared about that, they'd storm Nike immediately. Yeah. Well, it's like one of the podcasts you were talking about, like Libya and Gaddafi, and we we're like talking about like what a terrible place that is. And Gaddafi had like secret police. He was an autocrat. Mm-hmm. He was a dictator. Sure, he was he was a terrible person. But like his idea for like a pan like African kind of union, like is what scared the West more than anything yeah. else. Yep. Mm-hmm. It had less to do with the fact that he was because like the United States does not have a problem with autocrats as long as they're on the U.S. side. Like we deposed all those socialist dictators or no socially socialist elected individuals in like Latin America and Iran Mm -hmm. deposed them for like a fascist autocrat. Well, yeah, pro-American. Isn't that what Gaddafi's rise to power was, is he was a autocrat who was against the communists? Don't quote me on that, because like I know he had his like. What was his book called? The Green Book? The Third Way. Yeah. It was like an alternative to like the East and West. Okay. He he like came up like his, I've always been interested in, I've always wanted to read that because like, I don't know what's in it, 
But like he had like this idea of what like government and economics were that were different than the Soviet Union and the United States wave. Yeah. But that's just, I mean, I just use Libya as an example is because like we meddle in all these places and then we impoverish them. And then we say like, look, look at Venezuela. Look at <laughs> like, you really want to be a socialist because look at them. Like, you know, like it's just. It's kind of nuts. And like Vietnam, for example, had like one of the best responses to like COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And they're a communist country. And a lot of people in in Vietnam have like a favorable view of their government mm-hmm. as opposed to the United States where like very few people have, you know, a favorable view of our government. That's what always gets me to like, I'm getting really off topic now. It's just like <laughs> if we're so star spangled awesome as like every like conservative will say, then why do they say like, or they claim we have the best form of government. But then turn around and say, the government can't do anything right, and it sucks. Yeah. So do we have the best form of government, or does it suck? Which is it? Like, that's what I always, like, get confused on. We have the best military. Yes. We're ready to drop bombs on them motherfuckers. (laughs) And they always, like, because they always say, like, well, they deserve it. They hate freedom. No, they just want to be left alone. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like my view on like Afghanistan, like when we're leaving the Taliban. Don't get me wrong. The Taliban's like a they're brutal. They're a terrorist organization. They suck. However, they just want to be left alone. You know, yeah, they don't, want, they don't want foreigners in their country. What I'm hoping is eventually that instead of like an absolute Taliban takeover of the country, which at this point seems pretty imminent within a year after we leave, is that it just becomes kind of like uh, what happened with like FARC in Colombia. That's what it was yeah. called, right? And just yeah. become like a political organization. And not like a militant one. Yeah. But well, the, I don't, a lot of Afghanistan is very tribal still. So like you can't really have an American style democracy in those kind of countries, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I know like when we started going into peace talks with the Taliban, they actually wanted to um, create their own embassy in a foreign country. The Taliban itself? Yeah. And there's a Taliban office in Qatar. Because, yeah, because that's what I think weren't, weren't, wasn't that where the peace talks were happening? Yeah, but I don't know. It just, to me, as soon as I don't know, I know why I always say the Taliban won is because the U.S. by going into peace talks with them legitimized them. Just like when Trump talked with Kim Jong Un, he legitimized North Korea's government. And so for decades, you had we will not negotiate with terrorist style administrations, and all of a sudden, oh, we're, we're negotiating with them now. So what does that mean? They're a legitimate organization. Mm-hmm. So that was, in my opinion, the goal of the Taliban all along was to become the legitimate form of government for that country. And I think we helped them do that by going into negotiations with them. And I don't think we would have if they didn't outlast us. Yeah. So, I mean, they are gangsters too. Like most of the world's heroin comes from Afghanistan. For sure. So like that's their bread and butter right there. I don't know. So that's why I think the Taliban won because they're not gone and they're going to take over that country. And I, I mean, do you think that we're going to actually support the afghanistan government with airstrikes or whatever it doesn't sound like it it sounds like all military operations are gonna end yeah here's by by october or not october august 31st is when supposedly all military operations will end and we will be gone by september 11th okay and exactly 20 years after that's so just insane to me But yeah, like can. it just two decades. And then after we leave, it's like the Taliban's going to take over again. 
it's like I think I posted something about like Joe Biden said like our like we accomplished what we wanted to there and I think it, he highlighted like we killed Bin Laden and then we made sure that Al Qaeda can't launch attacks from within Afghanistan anymore. It's like didn't we do that years ago? Yeah. Like, and plus, Bin Laden was even killed in Afghanistan. He was killed in Pakistan. Yep. So it just—I don't know. It just seems like it was twenty years, and like, what? What do we have to show for it? Trillions. It's, like our, it's our pride. It's just like what happened in Vietnam. Why did we stay there that long? Yeah, I I agree. I agree completely. It was just Vietnam repeat. If we ever talk about Vietnam, have you guys ever watched that um, Ken Burns, the Vietnam War? Oh yeah, that was a great documentary. Oh my god, it was amazing. That really like that really hit me in the feels sometimes yeah. too. Yeah. Some of the guys talking, but like yeah. there was one point where he was one of I think he was like he was like a marine there, but he was talking about how like Nixon did something politically that ended up getting a bunch of people killed or did or did not do something that ended up getting like a ton of marines killed. He like he prolonged the war or certain like Yeah, he stalled the peace process uh kind of in the background. Um he had Oh, because of the election. Gifted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had, uh, was it Goldwater he was going against? I, no, I don't. no, it had to have been Johnson, maybe. But or, no, I think because Johnson only served one term and then he didn't be president anymore. And Nixon, uh, irrelevant. What I'm saying is like he got a ton of people killed because of an election. Yeah, it's just like that's insane. And I don't know. That's a good documentary if you guys haven't watched it. Like to our listeners, if yeah. you ever watch that documentary that'll that'll hit you like it's it's very truthful it's it deals with like pretty much every aspect of the vietnam war from all perspectives and you get kind of the feels of it yeah it's a terrible war terrible war yeah you know i'm surprised what do you think is different from vietnam to afghanistan that led the public to hate that war i mean Personally, I think it was the media that would like put up the death counts of U.S. soldiers every night. And, you know, so like the media actually had a backbone. And so it caused the general public to be like, yeah, this is stupid. Where I think now, like I remember the media being all about Afghanistan for a couple of years right when it first happened. But then it just went away. In Iraq, they did the the casualty count during the Iraq war. Afghanistan was just kind of forgotten. Yeah. Forgotten about. Like, I mean, th- like, remember when Bu- what Bush said, like, when he was in office, he said, just go shopping. Yep. Like, who cares if there's a fine. war going? Yeah, everything's fine. Who cares about the war? Go shopping. And I think that's like this, like, people don't know where even Afghanistan is on the map. Yeah. Ask, yeah. The, aver- ask the average American where Afghanistan is on, <laughs> on the, on a map. And let me see. I, I, I got, I got asked one time. Um, I was talking to a guy who does like PTSD counseling with veterans and he does like all ages of veterans. And he said, he's talking to like a Vietnam vet and he said, cause they were talking about like, how does it feel like when you came home, you got spit on and like, or whatever, like people were like pretty militant sometimes against like veterans returning. And his, like his response is like, I guess sometimes it felt better than, um, knowing that the war was actually going on, that people knew the war was going on and then not. Yeah. He says, like, as a, compared to, like, people coming home with, like, PTS problems now, it's like, people are like, you're coming home from what war? Where? You know? It's just, yeah. I think that's why this war has gone on so long is because, like, people just don't even realize it's going on half the time. It's not on TV. Yeah. I mean, we're, yeah, cable news doesn't talk about it. No. So, and now they're, we're only talking about it because it's coming to an end. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's like, what were we even doing for like the last 10 years? Like, T- trying to stop the Taliban from coming back. <laughs> I remember, because I, I served in Afghanistan, not in any kind of exciting way, but it was in like 2012 to 2013. And even I was like, during that period, I was just like, what? 
what are we doing here? Like it, 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 it felt to me like I was protecting somebody's profits. Mm-hmm. That was like the start of my radicalization because I was still very conservative back then. Yeah, like even libertarian. But like it was a start of like this, like what, what are we doing? And like this, this is a like this. I'm talking about policy. I'm not talking about like you know a soldier, airman, marines, sailor, now guardians. Uh, you know, there are reasons for like wanting to fight or joining the military or whatever. I'm not talking about that. Like, what are we doing in that respect? I'm talking about like policy wise, like, why are we still at war here? Like why, like that, that's what I'm talking about. Not necessarily like, cause I, that was a big debate with, uh, the Marcus Luttrell story that lone survivor. Mm-hmm. Cause it, cause like people are saying like, it felt like there was a lot for nothing. And it's like, that's not how I saw it, but that's like a different discussion completely. Like the warrior mentality is different from policy. And I'm talking specifically policy of just like, you know, what are, what, what are we still doing here? What is the point of this? And like, it's like the Afghans, like I met there were like working for like American companies or they were working for Afghan companies that were working with America. So they were like truck drivers and stuff. Yeah. It's like, what's going to happen to them when the Taliban is like back in power, you know? Or do you think it was just to be kind of like a regional hegemon? kind of you know it's right next to iran um and it's you know technically we have iran surrounded on uh both sides or yeah i don't know i don't I know, know i i'm sure dick cheney really wanted to go to iran yeah, was yeah. A, it's supposed to be a stepping stone into iran probably. i'm sure that was his his big plan him and rummy r.i.p <laughs> that stands for rest and piss <laughs> yeah i don't it, it went on many years too too long yeah well then yeah I remember hearing something, you know, there's supposed to be a pipeline built there from like the Caspian Sea. Oh, I remember that too when that was the big news as well. I don't, there's plenty of business opportunities. Yeah. After, or, or lithium for, you know, our cell phones and electric cars, I'm, you know, you know, you, the, the Green New Deal originates in Afghanistan probably. <laughs> but then also apparently Mexico has like another ginormous, you know, lithium deposit there. Who knows? Maybe well, do you guys think America would be getting out of it if the corporate interests couldn't continue doing the business operations normally? See, I don't I don't know. I, they, I, I think now that the Taliban has been legitimized, I think it, it would I think it's in their interest to take over the federal government or whatever and be the legitimate power there. But if they started attacking corporate interests america would be right back the the thing about afghanistan is kind of it's kind of tricky because it's such a it's very the multiple ethnic groups culturally it's different from north and south like Mm -hmm. because in the south specifically the taliban is huge but you have like the north which has actually like militias fighting alongside the afghan government against the taliban Mm -hmm. because they don't like the taliban in those northern parts i mean that was the afghan civil war after the soviets left they had like uh the northern alliance against the Taliban. So like there's a like, there's a lot of different like ethnicities and cultures all in Afghanistan. Yeah. So it's like how do you make that work, you know, if, if if those hostilities are like just coming out as a new. Yeah. Well, I mean Afghanistan's borders were kind of designed after with the League of Nations in like the 1920s, wasn't it? That is something I do not know. Um I'm pretty sure that was the case cuz was after the I think that was after the Ottoman Empire collapsed, right? Didn't the Ottoman Empire collapse in the 19... 19- anyway. Yeah. Um, 1918. Yeah, because I think Afghanistan was supposed to be like a buffer state between, I don't like the Soviets and the Western interests or something. I, I, anyway, 
Um, but that would have been later in life. I, I, I don't remember. All I know, I'm pretty sure Afghanistan's borders were written up or drawn by Western, in, at least Western influence. Um, and so I, I don't. I, I think I don't. Maybe the Taliban is just like the next step in their evolution to become an independent state. And much, you know, a lot of African countries we've already seen are separating, like South Sudan and uh, isn't it like like Somaliland or like what is it, Eritrea or something? Yeah. Um, you know, you have those small tribal militant groups that are fighting for their own independence. So maybe one day, if we leave them the fuck alone, <laughs> we'll see a North and South Afghanistan. I think it was, I think J.R.R. Tolkien uh, said that uh, Belgium's the perfect size for a country. <laughs> like a country should just be the size of Belgium. Because, and don't, I, that might be a misquote. So I don't want all the Tolkien fans throwing spears at me here. But like, I, I think th- it makes a lot of sense, you know, as a country, like, why should you be even bigger than Belgium? Well, and then we can talk about like why should countries even exist altogether. But like, you know, if you're going to have like your localized population, you're going to have a better like understanding of like how your area works anyways. So like when you get to be too big, it's just like why do empires fall eventually? They get too big. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I kind of agree with like what you're saying is like maybe all these countries will just start becoming like there'll just be more countries. They'll just have their own like independence movements and become free and independent because it still happens even in europe because you had like kosovo fighting for their independence and there's that one uh part of spain yeah remember that <laughs> like spain it was like barcelona catalan yeah yeah basque, basque country yeah, yeah there's there's a bunch of different like uh countries within like spain or like areas in spain that want to like be their own independent place and i think even in like well, other places in scotland europe. had yeah. the you wanted to leave uh northern ireland becoming back part of regular ireland i mean even in north america you have the quebecois who want to bail and i have heard that a lot of the people on the west side of canada like especially like in alberta they actually want to join the united states so that they can just exploit all that oil um and then i've heard that people in uh newfoundland or Newfoundland, whatever the Newfies, they want to they want to secede as well. Well, for a long, I I didn't realize this is that Newfoundland was part of Britain until like after World War II. Oh wow, yeah, I didn't realize that either. Well, when did Canada finally become independent as its a nation? It was after us in like the 1800s. See, this is we're gonna like 1914 okay. maybe. Yeah, we're getting into the weeds. <laughs> well, I was gonna say we're gonna show our true ignorance here. Like the, it said, uh, I think it's like 1867. Okay, but yeah, some of those newfies sound like they're from Ireland. It's weird. There's a show on Netflix. It, I think it was originally a Canadian broadcasting show or whatever, but it's about like this private detective and his dad and their newfies, and they sound like he sounds like an Irish guy. It's kind of weird. Um, this is straight from Wikipedia, but it says in 1867 with the union of the three British North American colonies through confederation, Canada was formed as a federal dominion of four provinces. This, this began, fuck, I can't read. (laughs) It just basically improved, increased autonomy from the United Kingdom. This widening autonomy and height, Fuck, I can't read. But I guess like they're even talking like into like 1931. Yeah. I mean, I think the queen is still the head of state in Canada and she's on their money. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, she is because they're part of the Commonwealth. 
Yeah, that would suck, dude. If I was a Quebecois, I'd totally want to get the fuck out of there. What was that? What was that guy from like uh, Archer? He was trying to like free Nova Scotia. He was like <laughs> some extremist, and he's like, "Free Nova Scotia!" <laughs> but I think like independence movements are huge, like around the world. I think people just want more self governance. Yeah, Kevin, I think you should become part of the Cascadia or Cascadia independence movement. I think you is should that- organize up there. <laughs> uh, for Washington, Oregon, and British Columbia. That'd be nuts. I think it's a good idea. Should we start our own upper Midwestern independence movement? Yeah, the Great Lakes region, dude. <laughs> Probably the great gotta protect our water. If Texas Cal- if Texas can, can talk about independence, so can we. If we were able to start a Great Lakes see that's the thing. I don't think we could I, I don't think the upper Midwest could be an independent nation because they're landlocked, but if we were able to New York, like basically the Great Lakes region. So get like the whole state of New York, PA, Ohio, you know, everyone knows the states around there. Um, then we could do it. We could be a legitimate country because we'd have access to the ocean and the Great Lakes. The Confederation of the Great Lakes states. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they should secede because we're going to have all the fresh water in the world pretty soon. <laughs> you know how big of a superpower we could be? You want a drink, boy? That's what, no, because we already talked about how the capitalists are going to come in and buy up all the water rights before that even happens. Exactly. Well, that's why we need to act now. <laughs> the Great Lakes Regional will turn into like the Dominion of Nestle or something. Uh, let's just throw out there right away with a long list of uh, federal law enforcement agencies. Uh, this is joking here. <laughs> satire. Joking. Comedy satire. satire. Yes. I have to put that disclaimer in there. I don't know. Have we have we droned on too long? <laughs> yes. Long? We can wrap it up. This is a good episode, though. Probably take you a couple times to listen to it. As as always, as uh, you can blatantly see in our talking, is that this is an opinion podcast, and half the time we don't know what we're talking about. We don't know the facts. We we create our own facts as we go. It's entertainment. It's fun. Our goal... Our goal is just to get people to question things. Even if you think we're wrong, we just want you to question things and our, not be a Republican. Yeah. Our, well, our goal is basically just to sound like average voters who le- yeah. lean left, just having a discussion. And if it makes us sound like idiots, it's because we're normal Americans. Personally, <laughs> per- personally, I'm trying to save uh, young white men from becoming Trumpers and alt-right extremists. I- I'm just trying to get funds for our leftist Vegas fund. <laughs> Deprogram. Yeah, might be deprogram your mind. Your mind. Dep- deprogram your mind and install a little. Let's explore this. Yes, stop being an extremist. Jordan <laughs> Peterson is a fraud. Ben Shapiro is a fraud. Get those brain worms out of your head and put us in as your brain worms. Yes, we're the new brain worm. <laughs> we're the new brain worm. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Let's. Uh, we can wrap it up. Um, so yeah, I guess I want to do a shout out to our Twitter. Um, it's you know what, Adam, you shout out the Twitter. because uh, I keep forgetting the name. <laughs> let's explore this pod. Um at Explore Pod on Twitter. Yeah, Adam's on there tweeting twenty four seven. So if you wanna yeah, get some scrolling got, in. Got lots of good people on there. Um and then our email, if you ever wanna send us an email, is let's explore this pod at gmail dot com. Uh we'd love to hear if you uh have any opinions on what you want us to talk about if you have any suggestions that would be interesting if you want to send in some spooky scary stories we'll uh read them 
on the pod. Um, but yeah, we just kind of want to start a little community with you guys. So follow us. Follow yeah. us. We love you. <laughs> follow, follow us. Follow us. Open your Twitter right now and go and look explore up at explore underscore pod. At explore underscore pod. Open up your Twitter right now. Explore underscore pod. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, it was a good conversation. I'm glad we uh, we all three got together again, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. You too. Don't at me. Thanks, listeners. <laughs> <laughs>